Please remain standing as you're able out of respect for the gospel in the 20th chapter of John. Jesus has uh, died, he's risen, the tomb is empty, and Mary has seen him, but the other disciples have not. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. She lived by herself and she knew something was wrong as she fell to the ground. On her knees, she was able to crawl and find the touchtone phone and was able to dial 911. The emergency response was quick, but when they got to the house, they found the front door locked. They found the screen door in front of the front door locked and burglar-proof. They found bars on every window of the house. She, out of her fear, had made herself a prisoner in her own house, and precious minutes, precious minutes were lost as they tried to get in to that prison that she had made for herself. This was a situation similar to what Jesus found. As he came after the resurrection to find the disciples, he found them living within a prison of their own making. They had locked the doors for fear of the Jews. Now the good news for us this morning is that Jesus walks through those sorts of walls. Jesus walks into the prisons that the disciples have made and he frees them. What I want to suggest to you this morning, though, that our situation in our world is similar to that of the disciples. Many people live within walls that they have made for themselves, live imprisoned by their own fears, just like the first disciples. And fear can be very paralyzing. Fear prevents us from being who we've been called to be, doing the things that God calls us to do. Fear can be paralyzing. In fact, as I look at my own life, I used to think that sin was the number one problem, and sin has certainly not disappeared. I thought at other times it might be uh, loneliness that has not disappeared completely. But now as I look at my life, I find so often that fear really is my number one problem. That so often I imprison myself and do not go and do and do not be because of the fear that holds me and binds me in place. I was visiting with someone who wanted some spiritual advice not too long ago, and as they described to me their situation, I quite naturally described to them the safe and careful response. And he looked at me after I made that suggestion, and he said, but if I did it that way, I would be acting out of fear. And he said, Pastor Scott has told me never to do anything out of fear. And I told him, you're right. And Pastor Scott is right. We are never our best selves when we are afraid. It's no wonder that there are 366 verses in the Bible where we're basically told, do not be afraid. Jesus wants to get us out of that prison of fear and release us into the freedom of being all that we can be in Christ. But I believe the disciples, perhaps imprisoned by fear, there were some among them who also were imprisoned by their own guilt. 
I believe Peter might have been one of them. Less than 72 hours earlier, he had denied the person who had come to bring him life. He had turned his back on his Lord. And certainly there must have been some guilt involved. So often we look around the world, we see people imprisoned by fear, but we see others almost as many imprisoned by guilt. Something they have done in the past and and they can't shake loose from it and it just holds them and binds them in place. Others are kept in place by just an overwhelming sense of guilt, not for one particular act, but perhaps for a number of things. And there's some sort of sense that, that there's not, they are not quite right as a person and they're not quite acceptable and there's a sense of guilt that haunts them. Now let me say quickly, there is some guilt that is good. Anybody who has ever parented knows the value of guilt sometimes uh, with their children. I think uh, stereotypically we might say our mothers perhaps know that even better than our fathers learned it. In fact, I, I believe the comedian was essentially correct when he said, mothers who do not master the art of guilt must give up being mothers and they become ants. There's something good and healthy about guilt. It keeps us in line. One counselor we used to have at our church called Guilt God's Sheepdog. But then there's a, a, a point at which guilt doesn't keep us in line, but guilt rather prevents us from moving at all. There's a neurotic guilt. There's a sense of shame in our life. And that is the thing that imprisons us. And Jesus has come to free us from that sense. And, and it shows up in such interesting ways. I remember one night I got up in the middle of the night and it was dark. I couldn't see where I was going. And I bumped into the table and I apologized. I said, I'm sorry. To a table? There's that sense that, that there's something not right with us. And, and that sense binds us into place. I remember a survey taken some years ago of medical professionals and they hypothesized that guilt may actually be the number four killer in the United States of America. It imprisons so many of us. And Jesus has come that we would be free from fear and guilt and that the prison bars that we have constructed for ourselves would be broken open and the door would be opened. This was Jesus' mission. The very first time He got to speak in a church, in a synagogue, He opened the Scripture, Isaiah 61, and this is what He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim release to the captive. People imprisoned by fear and guilt, that is not God's will. God's will is that we be free, and Jesus came to bring us freedom. That's the good news. Now here's the bad news. Typically in our world, Jesus will not walk through everyone's walls. Jesus gathered his disciples around them and said something interesting. He said, peace to them, which is kind of a freedom and a wholeness from fear and guilt. And then he went on and said this, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive anybody's sins, they are forgiven. And if you don't forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus essentially was saying, I'm not going to be walking through the walls of those prisons. I'm going to have you go to those doors and break them open. For whatever reason, Jesus was telling them he was counting on them now. He had walked through their prison walls to open them up and now he was counting on them to go to the prison doors and release others who were captive to fear and to guilt and the things that paralyzed them. And he sent them. Now, I was in Corpus Christi for a lot of meetings this week. So I had a lot of time for my mind to wander because I knew Harold and Donna would pay attention for me. And my mind started wandering and I thought, if that's the case, 
Why don't we see more free people? Why, why are people still so imprisoned? It was almost two centuries ago, but I think Thoreau's observation is still correct today when he said the vast majority of men and women lead lives of quiet desperation. They're in prison. And why aren't they free? And the answer, it would seem to me scripturally, is because you and I have not gone to their doors and knocked them open. So I started wondering about this. Well, why haven't we? And I came up with a few theories. I thought I'd run them by you this morning. The first one is this. I think maybe we don't fully understand the verse that Je- where Jesus says, if you forgive the sins of people, they're forgiven. And if not, they are not forgiven. Now, most of us who study Scripture know that there's a correlation between that and Matthew 16 and Matthew 18 where Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound on heaven. Whatever you release on earth will be released on heaven. And I'm with wonderful people, and I think one of the things we do, we get part of that right, and we pray, and we, we often pray for people to be, have some things bound up and others released. And that's correct. But I think this passage is not just about our power that we have in Jesus. I think it's about our responsibility. I think it's a statement of fact. I think Jesus is saying if there are people walking around unforgiven, it's because you haven't brought them forgiveness. And if there are people who are walking around forgiven, it's because you brought them forgiveness. I think it's just a bold summary that says, look, if there are people in prison, it's because you haven't gone to the doors. And maybe we don't understand that. Or maybe our problem is this. Maybe we've always thought that faith was about chaining somebody to Jesus rather than breaking chains and helping people be free in Jesus. Maybe we've thought that our message of faith is just to bring people God's rules and get them in line with God's rule as opposed to bringing them the good news that they can be free within God. And just as a bird is most free in the air and a fish most free in the sea, we bring them the freedom that comes when they're in right obedience and relationship with God. But we start with a freedom. We don't start by trying to add to their chains. They're already chains. Maybe it's that. And then I thought, maybe it's not. Maybe it's just that we don't see the prison bars that others are hiding behind and, and locked behind. You know, when we see them, especially on Sunday, people look so good. And I'll tell you this. I figured this out after 20-some-odd years as a pastor. If people don't look good, they don't come. They don't come when their lives are falling apart. They wait till their lives get back together, then they show up. So at church, we rarely get a glimpse of the bars that hold people in. And people look so together at work. And they look so together pulling out of the driveway in the car that we never assume for a moment that they're imprisoned while walking or driving, sitting or standing. We don't see the bars, but I assure you they are there vast majority of people imprisoned, fear for many, guilt for others, but unable to really move forward in their life. Well, I thought about those in some theories, but, but I, toward the end of the week I just sort of tossed them out. And I began to think that for me the real reason why you and I aren't going to the doors of other people and opening them and setting them free in the Holy Spirit is simply this, we have not experienced that freedom ourselves. We're still in prison too. And the prisoner can't release the fellow prisoners. It's a door that doesn't get opened from the inside, unfortunately, because the people on the inside don't want to open it. You cannot give people what you you do not have. You cannot, in the Holy Spirit, bring to them what you have not received in the Holy Spirit. And so the reason we don't go and help people find freedom is, 
I think we haven't experienced it ourselves. So many of us still bound by our own fears, still chained by our own fears. Just paralyzed, unable to step out when the time is required to step out. Unable to speak up when the time is required to speak up. Unable to change when the time requires that we change. I was reading this past week about the late Henry Nowen, and some a wonderful writer on spiritual matters. But many years before he died, something terrible happened to him. He got hit by a, uh, by a large van. The lar- and, and the large van was speeding by him. He was a pedestrian, and its side view mirror hit him. And Nowen suffered tremendous injuries, internal injuries, and they thought he was going to die. He could hear them saying in the emergency room that he was going to die. He heard them saying on the way to the operating room that he wasn't going to make it. And suddenly, he saw something. And it wasn't a bright light, as many people report. What he saw was Jesus himself. And he reported that Jesus spoke these words to him. He said, Henry, do not be afraid. Do you think he saw Jesus? I think he did. The doctors said he died. And he said, I guess so. And then I got sent back. But the rest of his earthly life, he lived without fear. He was no longer afraid. He had found the freedom that eludes so many of us. Who and what could we be if we never acted out of fear? Have you experienced that freedom? Others of us, we haven't experienced freedom from guilt. Something we've done or maybe a series of things we've done or just some sense about ourselves is not right just plagues us and haunts us like Joseph's brother. Remember Joseph's brothers in Genesis? They sold him into slavery and they could never get free from their guilt. Even after Joseph forgave them. As soon as their father died, they went rushing into Joseph's room and said, Hey, on his deathbed, this is what Dad said. He said, let us off. Don't hold it against us. And Joseph was sad. Not because his father may or may not have said that, but because his brothers didn't get it. They didn't get that they were free. Living in Egypt as free men, they were still imprisoned by their guilt. This is what Paul says about this whole matter. To the Romans, Paul says in chapter 8, verse 1, There is now therefore, pretty strong sentence, There is now therefore, immediately, no condemnation. For those in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Right now. Those who are in Christ, they're free. They are free from guilt. There is nothing for which to be punished. There's no condemnation. You could go home today. And you probably want to do it privately, but it might even be more fun with a friend. But you could write down the worst thing you have ever done to anyone. Worst thing. Or perhaps the worst thing you ever left undone. You should have done it. You can write that on a piece of paper. And then what I would do is take that piece of paper and tear it up. Because that's exactly the way God feels about it. There is therefore now, at this moment, no condemnation. There's no prison for those who have done wrong. And if you're in prison, it ain't because God put you there. It's because you won't. Let Jesus walk through the walls and open it for you. So you can go now and open it for others. 
Leslie Weatherhead, a great Christian philosopher some years past, said he thought forgiveness, if it were to be believed, would be the most therapeutic idea in the universe. Most helpful thing if people would ever dare to believe that they are forgiven, that there's no condemnation, that they can walk out of their own prisons free. Free. And I think because we haven't experienced that in the Holy Spirit, we haven't shared it through the Spirit with others. Some years ago, when I first came to Alma Heights, it was a difficult time for many in America. We were beginning to live through the O.J. Simpson verdict, through the Rodney King beating, through further beatings in East Texas. And, And it was a time, as perhaps maybe there still is, great time of tension, racial tension. And I remember there was a a worship service of reconciliation held. And uh, the Anglo pastor who got up and spoke, I remember, said this. He said, we have done a lot wrong. There's no denying that. But then he went on to say, but the Scriptures tell us that God is much less interested in what we have done and been in the past than in whom we may yet become in the future. He knew the Holy Spirit-led truth that the past is a prison from which God wants to release us from our fears and guilt into the future that God has for us. I want to invite you to take a moment and pull out the bulletin and turn to the prayer that is printed. Wonderful prayer written by the great African-American pastor and theologian Howard Thurman. Would you join as we pray together and open ourselves up to God? Let us pray. O holy God, open unto me, light for my darkness, courage for my fear, hope for my despair. O loving God, Open unto me wisdom for my confusion, forgiveness for my sins, love for my hate. O God of peace, open unto me peace for my turmoil, joy for my sorrow, strength for my weakness. O generous God, open my heart to receive all your gifts. Amen. I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. It is not my desire to be manipulative in any way. It is my desire that if you wish the opportunity, I would like the Holy Spirit to bring you release. So I'm going to invite all of us, if you will, to stand, please. And I want you to know that if you are a Christian in relationship with Christ, the Holy Spirit is already within you. But the Scriptures tell us that we can ask to be filled yet again with the Holy Spirit and have the Spirit within us stirred up. And I'm going to pray in a moment, and and we're going to close our eyes so that no one knows but God. And if you wish to receive more of the Spirit in your life to free you, you will indicate this to God simply by opening your palms. And that will be your way of opening your heart for the Holy Spirit to take residence and fuller residence in your life to free you and release you for the ministry of freeing others. So let us pray. Gracious and loving God, for those who may not yet know you, I ask that your Holy Spirit might touch them now, that they may know that they are forgiven of all their sins, 
And I ask that they might invite you as Lord of their lives. And Father, for the rest of us, in relationship with you through Christ, already with the Holy Spirit within us, we now, desiring more of your Spirit, open our palms to you. And as we do so, we open our hearts. And we ask that our Holy Spirit might come upon us and fill every room in our heart that there would be no room, no door closed or walled off to you. Lord, fill us from head to toe. Fill every part of us and free us to the life that you have for us, free from fear and guilt. We ask this in your Son's precious name. Amen. You may, when you pray to receive more of the Holy Spirit, feel differently. You may not. But it is a request that God never denies.